What is up, NFL gamblers? Welcome to the final Outkick Bets NFL regular season handicapping episode. Last week I did a solo pod, but this week I have two of the homies back here on Zoom. We're going to connect with Fox News financial analyst Scott Martin a little bit later. But first, the homie Dan Z makes his return after a few weeks off. Glad to have you back, Dan. Are you? Because it felt like you were trying to kick me off the pod, if I'm being honest. No, I'm happy. I just, I thought you were taking a backseat on gambling, and this is a gambling podcast, so. Never take a backseat on gambling. All right. Well, I'm happy to have you back, buddy. I love I like talking, talking about your kids. picks. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things, right? Like, I, I, I got a little, I got to get thicker skin. We were just talking about this before the call, but the uh, listeners weren't engaged in that discussion, which is... uh you know, the losing streak really hit me hard. It hit me hard. And it, uh, I didn't want to give out the picks publicly. Like I was still gambling behind the scenes, but, uh, I was like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pick losers, I don't want to, I don't want to drag anyone down with me. So I decided to switch to college basketball, uh, where I've been absolutely torching this year. Finally started to decide, finally decided to start writing those down on outkick and, uh, went six and two overall yesterday, four and one on best bets. Got a nice tweet from a listener who followed and did a three-team parlay with three of the picks I gave out, hit all three, and said he uh, might send me a gift, and I, I, he better send me that gift. That's awesome. Some dude a couple years ago tried to send me uh, money via Venmo when I was on just like an epic NBA heater. It's nice getting those kind of messages. Did you take it? No. Why? Because I knew my luck was going to turn. I actually, that was a great season for me, and it didn't really turn yeah, until but the following like year. Tipping the, it's kind of like tipping the dealer when you're when you're at the casino, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I just knew that, you know, I was going to regress eventually, and I didn't want to, like, right, feel so take bad the money about while, it. While it's being <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, I should have done that. But, I happily, by the way, if you're listening, uh, guy who tweeted me, I happily will take the gift. I have no reservations yeah. about that whatsoever. What's your Venmo avatar? Or, uh, oh, I don't know. I think it's probably at D which I got to make it easier for people. Yeah. Just mirror that, uh, Twitter avatar, Twitter handle to your Venmo. People just can go right to there. Or there like, uh, OnlyFans chick, just put your cash app in your Twitter bio. Are you suggesting I start an OnlyFans? Because I'm not opposed. Dude, there is, <laughs> I, I think there's a Canadian sports betting guy who does an OnlyFans um, where he just gives out his sports betting picks and OnlyFans. It's like, that's not ridiculous. Like, that's actually a good idea. Because you got to think but of But it like, can't work. I think it does. Like, I, th- I, I actually think he also is like, sharp like he actually does make money but you think like people are already there for vices right i mean the foot traffic you get and on OnlyFans is probably pretty sick right and it's such like a curveball and a random thing it's like naked chick naked chick sports betting picks five dollars i can do that i could swing that right people have refractory periods (sighs) that's a good point Um, and then when they come down, they're like, wait a second, how can I, now that I'm thinking clear, how can I, how can I make some money? Yeah, I gotta make the money back. You're spending all the money on the OnlyFans chicks, then you pop over to the sports betting guy, make your money back. It's it's a win-win for everybody involved. 
Yeah, maybe I should start an OnlyFans, but that's not what we're here to talk about. OnlyFans. <laughs> I'd kill it. Then we could we could do. Uh, what we could, could do we do on co- OnlyFans, Dan? <laughs> yeah, we, we could. could. Do some collabs. <laughs> well, Eiffel Tower, some NFL handicaps. Oh my God! All right, this has gotten off the rails already. Oh yeah, it is. All right, yeah. Let's get back to the NFL handicap. And so, week eighteen. I've actually. Well, let's start with talking about week eighteen in general. It's a tough week. I was going to start like... with talking about me in general, but yeah, we can do NFL week no, no, eighteen. No. I don't want to talk about you. I want to <laughs> talk about week eighteen uh, in general, which is it's a tough week, right? Because it's really difficult to figure out how much players and teams really care about this game, and that's what makes handicapping week eighteen sort of a a unique beast. I actually kill it in week used to be week 17, week 17 and week 18. I do a really good job with this stuff. I think the public makes mistakes in assuming bad teams aren't going to care. It's just yes. like, I don't know. Mike Vrabel summed it up perfectly. And like, did you see that press conference he had the other day where he went off on a reporter? I think I saw the quote, but go ahead. It's just essentially just like losing sucks. You don't sleep. Like, I don't I don't think the the average better or NFL fan really takes into account how how much it sucks to get your fucking brains beat in front of 80,000 people. Right? Like do you, could you imagine losing at something you get paid to do in front of 80,000 people and then millions watching at home? It it probably is really terrible. It probably is, right? Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, I do think you know, and we'll get to this in, in some of my picks, but I do think week 18 can be a quote unquote business decision type week. Um, I think overs might be in play this week as defenders are kind of like, do I really need to make that hit, make that, make that tag. Like there might be some business decisions made on defense. Um, plus you probably have some offensive coordinators, head coaches emptying out the playbook a little bit, especially for teams that aren't going on. Like, Hey, we've been working on this all year haven't had the time it's not going to hold it for next year like let's run it so i didn't bet a lot of overs at least not that i'm going to give out here but i do think overs i don't know i'd love to look back and see how overs do in week 18 because that's one thing that stands out to me but let's go ahead let's talk about you what did you want to talk about um i went three and two last week it was my ninth straight non-losing week in the circuit million i have one two two and one in there i passed all my juju off to you like as soon as my losing streak started you just took off i know you're welcome i needed i needed your winning ways to die for me to prosper so so i know you don't like betting college basketball but as soon as i go cold if i were you i would start jumping on the caps oh man i will maybe bet some st john's or big east basketball games Dude, I hate I, betting the Big East, by the way. I almost I almost avoid it exclusively. I don't think you had a Big East play in your I never do. Wednesday I don't write-ups. Mind. I hate betting the Big East. All those teams are soft as hell and always screw me over. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I hate that you said that the Big East is soft, but I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about college Mentally basketball. Mentally soft. I got, yeah, I, no, I get it. I get what you're saying. Um it was my three and two week, dude. I went from 511th place to 375th place. The top 100 places in the circa million uh, payout. I obviously need a 5 and 0 to break the top 100 or to have any chance to break the top 100. Don't think I'm going to be able to. I mean, we'll see. I've had two 5 and 0s this year. I feel pretty confident about the picks. As we'll yeah, talk back about to your earlier point where you said, you know, the public makes a lot of mistakes. 
And I, I think it comes down to like a lot of these. It's just they just look at the two teams involved and go, which team does this game matter for? And which team does it not matter for? I'm taking the team it matters for. And that costs people a lot all the time. I mean, the great example last year was the Lions, right? Like they went into Sunday Night Football having just been eliminated and still went out and won. And probably cost a lot of people who were like jumping on Green Bay late. Like, well, Green Bay cares and Detroit doesn't. Like, I don't know. They prepped all week to play this game. Like, they're still going to show up. And I didn't give you this pick. I actually just realized I forgot. And that leads me perfectly because you talked about Rabel. But I do want to, I do think Titans plus five is a great spot here. Again, to your, all your points you were making, Vrabel, clearly the type of guy that's like, we want to win this week. Um, I think Jacksonville's a little overrated. Lawrence is banged up. And I, I think it's just one of those games that people look at and go like, well, Jacksonville needs to win this to make the playoffs. Tennessee season is over. Like Jacksonville's going to roll. I don't think that's true at all. And especially getting five points, that's a lot of points to give up at home for Tennessee. And Tennessee is, you know, they got that variable toughness. I, I think they're going to show up. So I, I like Tennessee a lot. Yeah, Vrabel usually covers as a home dog, especially in division. Jacksonville is just a limping mess right and you now. Think they, like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder, right? Because I've had people hit me up on, on X because I wrote a, a column this week about how I thought the Dolphins should, you know, fear, sort of punt this week in that they're a banged up team. Winning this game against Buffalo doesn't really do that much for Miami. They're already in the playoffs. And a couple people hit me and they're like, well, you want to knock Buffalo out. And I'm like, sometimes I think that's a little overrated. Um, depending on where you sit personally, for me, knocking Buffalo out of the playoffs for the dolphins and, and keeping them from winning the AFC East, like, does it matter? Like probably a little bit, but I don't know that it matters that much if you're trying to win a, you know, win a, win a Super Bowl. Whereas, but, lo- but locking in two home games is big. That's, that's much more important than winning the division. It is. I, cause they don't want to go to a cold weather city. Right, but the, the other thing that, that I, I, I tried to defend myself on was, like, people are like, no, you can't, yes, because of what you're saying. Like, they want the home games, and, like, I get that, but it, it, it's not like playing all your starters guarantees you a win. Far from it. In fact, Miami probably going to lose even if they do try their hardest. So what I was saying was just just because of how banged up they were and because their quarterbacks made a glass. I don't think it's a terrible argument. Um, For I... Miami specifically. Yeah. No, it's all a case-by-case situation, right? But I do think Tennessee wants to knock Jacksonville out of the playoffs. For sure. Yeah, because of I all think... the hype Jacksonville gets is like, oh, you know, they've taken over the AFC South, Tennessee's on the decline, blah, blah, blah. I do think some of that plays in. For sure. At least I, for... I think your points about the motivation are perfect, and it's they're well said, and they're definitely applicable to what we're going to talk about for the podcast. So let's get into the picks portion of this podcast. That's my first official pick. Mark it down. Titans plus five. Okay, cool. Good shit. Um... I'm also, my first pick is in the AFC South as well. The big first pretty much playoff game of NFL week 18 or of the season, Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. I know it's a square play, um, but I can't help myself. I'm going to take the Indianapolis 
or I'm going to take the Houston Texans. Excuse yeah, I was going to say, whoa, did you completely change your mind? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to. Th- I was just clicking around looking for the number. Um, right now one and it's a half on DraftKings. Yeah, one and a half. So that's all bet Houston one and a half uh, at the Indianapolis Colts. You talked about this in your college basketball write up. You're talking about, I think, was it? Navy and Brown, or was it Boston College? Boston, and Navy? Boston U. Usually, Boston College is a better team. It's just that Boston U. Boston U. Excuse me, better team. That's how I feel about Houston. They're, they're a better team. <laughs> they have a. By have the a way, better Boston roster. U almost screwed me on that too. I know they, you, you you covered by half point, right? I did. Well, I got it plus three. Actually, that was a, that's an interesting one, and this is what always fascinates me about like Vegas and Lions. So when I made my picks in the afternoon, Boston was plus three. Uh, by the time the game tipped, Boston was plus one and a half. So if you, I got closing line value that actually paid off because they lost by two. Yeah. Um, but they led the game by like seventeen points. Like it was an it was a meltdown of epic proportions. They never should have. It never should have been close, really. Sure, but either way, back to this game. I, I have similar <laughs> analysis. Just like I think Houston's a better team, better roster. C.J. Stroud, obviously, a better quarterback than. Then Gardner Minshew. I think the head coaching matchup is a toss-up. Shane Sykin has made a believer out of me. He's been awesome. But D'Amico Ryan's always high on coming in the season. He's been great. I mean, both these teams have kind of, pun intended, outkicked their coverage uh, this season. Um, Stroud, I think, frankly, is a lock to have a good game. He threw for 384 yards in the first meeting against the uh, Colts. And Houston's defense can make Indianapolis one-dimensional. They have the second-best yards per rush allowed this year, their first in defensive rushing success rate. Um, Gardner Minshew just torched the Houston Texans in relief duty, but Anthony Richardson got the Colts up to a 14-0 lead with two rushing touchdowns. And and they had pre- that's who they had prepped for. Right. They now have a week to prep for, or six days, you know, one less day to prep for Gardner Minshew. Right. You think D'Amico Ryans doesn't have a plan? The defensive guy doesn't have a plan for Gardner Minshew? Oh, yeah. he's got a plan. Yeah, and at least according to PFF, they have, like, all pro talent and all three levels of their defense between Will Anderson, this kid Blake Cashman, the linebacker, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. is having a nice season. So is Steven Nelson. It is pretty square, though. I'm looking at draft mm-hmm. games, and 71% of the spread bets they've taken are on Houston. I know. I know it's square. That's the really the only counter. Um, and, and you know, Indiana, Indianapolis, I think, is 9-7 and seven against the spread this year. But, like, the public has won this year. They've caught Vegas or the sports book slipping, posting shitty numbers, and they've profited. And yeah. well, this is something we've we've talked about a lot last year too, and that I brought up. And that at first you poo pooed, and I think you came on board, which is this idea that C.J. Stroud is a rookie quarterback, essentially playing in his first playoff game. But he's played in huge college football games, and I firmly believe that matters. I really do. I think there's a big difference between rookie quarterbacks who played at like smaller schools or or even just like mid-level SEC schools and played in some crappy bowl game that they probably sat out versus a guy who played in the college football playoff in front of, you know, 70, 80,000 fans with I think that that I do think that matters that CJ Stroud has that experience coming from Ohio State. Yeah, I don't think the moment's too big for him. Bottom line. Right. He's got Nico yeah. Collins out there. I think this offense is going to be able to throw on Indianapolis's defense. I like my look here, and it's a lean, not a play, but I, I, this seems like a great spot for an under. 
Um, I think people look at, like you said earlier in the year, the teams both put up a lot of points. This, like, playoff-type games like this between division teams late in the season, second matchup, that feels like a a hard-fought, arguably a tight game. Um, and that's always a question, too. Now, Steichen and Ryans, though, are aggressive. So it'll be interesting, especially as rookie head coaches. You know, we talk a lot about the quarterbacks. You know, are, are the quarterbacks going to show up in these big games? But I, I kind of like to look at the coaches. Like, do you coach differently with – your season on the line or not. And I think we're going to learn a lot about both coaches, but I would still lean to the idea that they'll probably be slightly more conservative than they would normally. Yeah. No, I think that favors the Houston Texans because the Houston Texans rush defense is sick. If you're going to call more run plays, I think you're going to put Gardner Minshew in a lot of third and third and longs. Yeah. Yeah. Not just that though. Like just everything, just how are you going to, you know, Steichen is a big proponent in going for, you know, those fringy fourth downs. Are they still going to do it yeah. with everyone watching in the playoffs on the line? Like it's, I think that's the part that people, I, and I get it. Like as an analytics believer, I totally get the part where coaches, they'll never say it, but they think it like sometimes they're like, man, if this backfires, I am going to be roasted Yeah, that. and I could just punt and no one's going to say a word if I punt. Even if it's the wrong decision, no one's really, generally at least, in the sports media, no one criticizes you for taking the points with field goals or punting. And it takes... It backfires all the time, but nobody ever goes back and says, hey, if they hadn't punted in that spot, you know, maybe, you know, or kicked that field goal, maybe they would have won. No one ever does that. It's only if you go for it and don't get it does anything ever get brought up. Yeah, and the criticism comes from two directions. The media and possibly internally where the the sure. the unit that you overlooked or maybe you didn't punt and didn't believe in your defense or maybe that's how the defense takes it you know so or the offense is like hey we co- we could have picked that up we, we right. should have sent us out there why right. didn't you send us out there yeah um all i'm right. excited for this game though this is a very, this is a i can't believe that colts te- can you beginning of the year week 18 colts texans is a playoff game you'd have been like for what the number one pick? Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, no, the Colts being bad was one of my coldest takes in the NFL preseason. It's not as bad as the Carolina Panthers winning the division. Oh, we both, <laughs> yeah, we both whiffed that one. That was bad. a big one. But I, that was a big one. you remember me being high on the Houston Texans coming in this year? Yeah, me too. So, we both were. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they're in this game, but I'm, I'm definitely. I think I surprised. wrote, "Don't be surprised if they get to nine wins." So I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them here. Yeah, I mean they're already at nine wins. I want to say just selfishly. No, actually, I'm selfishly. sorry. I said don't be surprised if they get to double digits. So that that's what I'm sorry. I knew gotcha. I, I knew there was some. Yeah. So ten would be that would be my hottest probably preseason take. I've got some cold ones though. We should do a wrap up podcast on what we <laughs> what we thought this year. Yeah, maybe we do that. Uh, Your Rams take, man. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I was seven. My my. The happiest I am about my NFL season, I'm having the best NFL season of my life, is I was 7-0 and in Thursday night football games. <laughs> Those are hard to handicap. That's a pretty impressive uh, record. Yeah, and like no one wants to submit in the Circa Million picks early, or the Circa Million contest early, so you can get the Friday injury report or, you know, crazy injury news and... You know, so you got to be really confident on those Thursday games. So seven and zero, I'm I'm very proud of that. But let's talk about an AFC East matchup. Me and you both have money on. Um, 
different bets, but not opposing each other. New York Jets at the uh, New England Patriots. What, what do you got in this game? Yeah, I don't have a lot to add here. It's pretty much what I said earlier. I have the over. The The total is 30 and a half, which is like an Iowa football game or something. Um, it's, it's just what I said earlier. I think the teams are going to empty the cupboard. I think defenders at this point, I think both these teams have kind of mailed it in a little bit. I know we mentioned we talked about motivation. I think you're right where you're I know where you're going. I read your I read your your take essentially. Like I do think Belichick's more likely to get his guys up for that. I think Sal and the Jets are just done with this season. So I like the Patriots look. Um but I also just think there are going to be more than 30 points scored in this game. Yeah, I don't have any play on the total, but yeah, you kind of teased it. I'm taking the Patriots minus 1.5. Um, it actually came down from two and a half, which is stunning to me. Maybe that's just because of the weather. You know, it's supposed to be pretty terrible out there in Foxborough. But the Jets gave up last week. The Browns minus seven and a half was one of my picks last week. Went into the weekend one and zero after they crushed the Jets thirty-seven to twenty. The Jets missed eleven tackles in that game. 11 tackles. Flacco put up 37 points with no Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore missing half the game. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt were both banged up, and he still put 37 on that defense. Dude, this guy had a 9.7 yards after uh, yards after catch per completion. Brock Purdy leads the NFL with 6.6 yards uh, or yak per completion. So I just look at it as the Jets giving up. This extended prep or rest time whatever i don't think that helps them like you think they're grinding film in this in this time right they want the season over yeah and like all like the 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 strength of that team is the defense and it's all veteran player or not veteran players but they're all players that mostly players that are gonna have a job next year like smart smoke gardner quinn and williams like these guys aren't going anywhere dj reed they're gonna be on the team next year smoke gardner did you just make up a new nickname yeah, I did. Sauce, excuse me. I did start calling him Smoke Gardner now. <laughs> Sorry. Sauce Gardner. Um, and I do these things. I chart this every week. I think I shared this Google Sheet with you, but I just look at like net efficiencies. So yards per play, EPA, early down success rate. I know this is highly variable, but I also look at net third down and red zone conversion rate. And New England's better than the Jets in all of those, right? They both have the same exact problem, essentially, except the Patriots actually have worse players than the Jets. Like, the Jets just have an epically bad quarterback and, and offensive line. But the Patriots, um, you know, their two best defensive players got injured. Their offensive line sucks. Mac Jones is a goddamn curse. And yet, they were better statistically than the Jets this season. They lost eight one score game jets have lost four so i to yeah, me you talked about you, you made a good point though that i, I want to highlight which too is that as far as play like the jets players aren't really necessarily playing for their jobs and sal is coming back next year this patriots team's in flux a little bit like who knows what's the coaching staff's gonna look like next year a lot of these guys are probably like dude i gotta i gotta put as much good stuff on tape as i possibly can because might be a new coaching staff like oh you know yeah. what i mean like Bill Belichick will cut anyone's ass next year if he's if even he's, if he's not there. They're bringing a new staff, and the staff's going to evaluate for sure. everything. For sure, I was I was thinking about this last night. Who is that guy, that running back for the Patriots, who ran for like two hundred yards, three touchdowns, 
got the cover of Sports Illustrated, mailed it in on a practice, and Belichick just benched his ass. It was it was like Jonas something, Jonas Walker maybe. You know who I'm talking about? I, I do vaguely remember this, but it it's obviously been lost to history. Yeah, or you have uh, the Malcolm Butler situation, right? Is that that's his name, the cornerback from yeah, yeah, right, right before the Super Bowl? He's like, nah, you're you're good. We're good here, dude. <laughs> you're asking Jonas playing. Gray. Yeah, Jonas Gray. That's who it was. Remember, he just went off for like two weeks. Just mailed it in a practice and Belichick said, yeah, you're out, dude. Like, we're not playing you there's, anymore. Yeah, there's a headline that's, uh, the rise and fall of Jonas Gray deserves its own 30 for 30. Because they cut him, like, three days after a 200-yard rushing game. Yeah, so no no one in New England thinks their job is safe. They are playing until the whistle, for sure. Like, 100% they're playing until the whistle. Whereas, like... The Jets part is like, well, dude, Zach Wilson's had like four or five chances. Like, we're good here. Like, we're we're not we're not losing our jobs. So that's my first bet. Oh, so this is great. So apparently, uh, he thought his phone was plugged in. He was watching film. Phone <laughs> dies. Wasn't plugged in. Alarm doesn't go off, and he was late to the facility the next day. Just cut, dog. You're you're out. Did not play a single snap in the next game. Ruthless. He got. He had ninety-one yards total the rest of the year after putting up two hundred one. Yeah. So, I didn't even include that in my handicap, but that's like kind of the foundation of my thinking. It's like the Patriots. Their season's been over for months now. They still play tough, right? They right. they lost what three games and held the defenses or held the opponents to like ten or less points. So they're gonna they're gonna show up. Um, moving along though, uh, another game that I'm betting based on motivation, the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to lay it with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, they give up 29 points per game in on the road with their good players. They're not playing anyone this week. I don't know if they've officially announced that. I haven't even looked. I probably should, but they have, they're, they're not playing anyone, right? I mean, it's a perfect I mean, rest not, spot for them. Yeah, they they're locked in the five seed. Flacco. It's a road game for Cleveland. It, it would be a sin for Stefanski to play his first stringers in this game. An absolute sin. And, you know, based on the spread, Cincinnati minus seven, minus seven and a half, I'm assuming their starters are going to play. And it's going to be a stat padding game. T, uh, Trey Hendrickson is tied with TJ Watt for the leader in sacks at 17. Jamar Chase has only got 96 receptions. You know, he wants to get to triple digits. Joe Mixon's got 923 rushing yards. You know, they're going to try to get him to 1,000. I think it's, you know, they're going to try to put on a, a, a great game. I uh, read in Bengals Wire that that Zach Taylor said, we're going to, we're trying to win this game. Like it's, I forget exactly the analogy or what he said, but it's a super the Bengals game. aren't really, they're not really playing for a draft pick. I mean, they're going to be, they're going to have a hmm. Level draft pick, no matter what, a couple spots here and there doesn't matter. And also, I don't think you know a lot of like players and coaches don't really take that stuff into account anyway. Also, Jeff Driscoll is starting, and I feel it feels like the Browns are just like, look, we want to start our fifth quarterback of the year just because yeah. we want to be a playoff team that started 
five different quarterbacks this season, which is wild, by the way. They also might be like, Jeff Driscoll is actually worse than P.J. Walker. <laughs> we don't want to risk P.J. Walker, you know, given our in, uh, giving our quarterback luck. Because, like, hey, P.J. Walker beat the San Francisco 49ers, right? Like, man, you know, push comes to shove. Maybe he can steal one against the Ravens in round two. According to Stefanski, though, Driscoll is going to be evaluated on this performance on whether or not he should be the backup next week. Great. Awesome. Well, whatever. I'll, I, I think the Bengals will put it I mean, on. Know, I mean, why not, though, right? Like, he knows what P.J. Walker can do. Like, let's see what Driscoll's got. <clears throat> and this uh, sports betting. the Browns are going to win a playoff game with P.J. Walker anyway. But No. Um, but this, this sports betting reporter, I think his name is Ben Fox, he uh, he tweeted out that, that the Browns plus six is, like, one of the biggest public sides this, this week. People are, you know, just assuming the like playoff team versus the Bengals, who again they think don't care. Right, over. they got yeah. knocked out last week. Like as people are actually saying, like, why would they play Jake Browning? Why would they risk him? Why would they risk injury? It's like they got seven months to get healthy. Like, why would they care? <laughs> like, and also, like, they're eight and eight. Like, they want to finish above five hundred. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, agreed. So, all right, uh, moving on to your next pick. The Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. What do you like here? I mean, theme of the pod, right? Everyone just assumes Dallas needs to win this game to win the NFC East. Washington doesn't. They don't care. Playing for a lame duck coach. I get all of that. I think, they're, though, this is a game that is absolutely ripe for a backdoor cover. Uh, 13 is a heck of a lot of points. At some point, Dallas is going to realize, like, look, we're going to win this game. We got a game next week, big game next week. Uh, I think this could be one of those games where Dallas gets out to an early lead and really just starts sitting people. You know what I mean? I see this as a very much a, again, motivation-based. I think Washington would like to beat Dallas going into um, the final. I mean, in the final week of the year. I think Rivera is mostly liked by his players, so they might want to, you know, try to – Put up one more decent performance for him. Um, I just think 13 points is just too too many in this spot for Dallas to to cover on the road. See, the impression that I have of Ron Rivera is that he, he's beloved by his, by his players. By his players, yes, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I think people like him a lot. Um, generally, I think they'll speaking. play hard enough to cover 13 points. Like that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same because the Colts last year were terrible. But like, I look at the similar as like Lovey Smith with the Texans. Like, why? Like, I think they'll get up for their coach. Why Why wouldn't they, right? Terry McLaurin seems like a gamer, like a, a professional. I'm, I would I would much prefer Washington backing. Washington is one of those teams that has guys playing for jobs. Like, they need yeah. to. They, they've had a rough year. A lot of the guys have had not great years. Like, these dudes are playing for playing for their football lives in some case. So, again, 13 Sam, points. That's all we got to do. Sam Howell I'm not eats, saying Washington's going to win this game. Sam Howell eats a lot of sacks, but he, he makes big plays, too. He'll make some, some crazy throws and, like, you alluded to this in the beginning of the podcast, but like Washington's going to be in effort mode. Like whatever, go deep. Yeah. <laughs> Empty the playbook a yeah, little bit. You right. might see some trickery, some fun. Yeah, yeah. see Curtis Samuel throw a couple passes. <laughs> Love it. Give me the 13 though. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that look at all. Um, all right, cool. That was easy peasy. Moving along. Um, just keeping along with the theme. Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears right now. It's... Is it still plus three? I actually bet it at plus three and a half, but I'm going to give it out at whatever the price is. Yeah, it's plus three. Um, 
The Bears are peaking. I've made some money off of them recently. I kind of I kind of saw this it early. This is what Justin Fields does. He did this last year too. No, everyone's already forgotten. He started off crappy. There was all the questions like, can he be the guy? Had a great end of the season, and then it was like, oh, next year with Fields, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Did the exact same thing this year. Came out, played terrible, strung a few great games together at the end of the year, and now all of a sudden it's like, don't draft Caleb Williams. Justin Fields is the future. Like, we've seen this movie before. How do people always forget about Yeah, but players get better, dude. And he got DJ Moore, and you're a big DJ Moore fan. DJ Moore is an alpha. They, I totally agree with that. They what might I'm get saying, Marvin so, Harrison next year if they if they don't. I, I understand what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with your handicap either. Like, I, I think this is what Fields does. He plays well at the end of the year. The problem is he's so bad in the beginning that it just doesn't matter. No, no, I know, but we're pivoting towards kind of arguing whether or not the Bears should keep Justin Fields. I am, I, I am, okay, so I'm, this, I'm on that side. I think they so should. So am I. Actually. Okay, fair enough. But okay. From a roster building standpoint, that makes the most sense. If you're the Bears, you kind of have to look at it as, look, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields making $50 million a year. So if and when that time comes that they got to pay that guy $200 million over four years or whatever these quarterbacks are getting, it's going to be a disaster. However, for the next two or three seasons, you don't have to pay him that much. And now you have the first pick in the draft again, which you can use to trade to get more capital. And I think my take on it is the Bears should basically go all out and try to win the Super Bowl with Justin Fields in the next two or three years. That's what I would try to do. Yeah, that just makes the most sense to me. I mean, starting over with a rookie right now. And I mean, yeah, you restart the clock, but I, I would try to go for it if I were them. But I would also be realistic about it. Like, look, we got to try to win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. Yeah. Once, if, and if Fields does perform to that level and gets them to like an NFC champion, like, then you're going to have to pay him because now there's no choice. So you're kind of locking yourself into that, which, again, I don't think is a great long term strategy. But man, like, there's a lot of parody in the NFL. And when you have a chance to go for it, you have to go for it. So I've actually, even though I don't love Justin Fields, I don't think he's great. And it, it all becomes a cost benefit analysis, right? I stress that so much about what people never take into account. Like, oh, he's like this player. Like, yes, this player at his salary cap number, that makes a difference. Fields on a rookie deal, even usually when these quarterbacks get their extensions, the first year of that deal, look at Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, all those guys. The first year of that deal is usually still only about an $18 million cap hit, which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's when it kicks in that it's a problem, which is why the Browns, are screwed next year because Deshaun Watson's cap hit goes to like $56 million. And I have no idea how they're going to build a roster with that. No, that's a good point too. But um, yeah, the bears are peaking. Uh, This game kind of feels like Detroit green Bay last year. I know it's kind of, you made the analogy of this is where we're at with Chicago last year, but I actually think Chicago is going to be a feisty team next year. Could possibly make the playoffs. I just Uh, said that. No, I know. I'm just, I, I guess I'm, they should go for it. That's yeah. why I'm saying they should go for it. They've right. shown enough that it's like use your draft picks on guys who can help you now. They should draft players who can help them now. And it's somewhat of a short sample size, at least since week nine, but there's the Super Bowl defense, second defensive EPA, fourth in success rate. Green Bay's got a banged up wide receiver core. Jalen Johnson, the Bears cornerback, is it's a great time to fade Green Bay, too, because people are in love, pardon the pun, with Mr. Jordan Love, too. Yeah, he's got like and speaking of the now, best see, quarterback rating here. since week 10. This is the biggest game of his football life. He never played a big game in college. He sat on the bench for three years. He has never played in a game 
with the import of this. I think the moment is going to be a little too big for Jordan Love. And on top of that, Bears are playing with house money. Does not matter if they win this game. Right. So, dangerous But team. they want to beat Green Bay. For sure. Chicago wants to beat Green Bay. They want to win. one of those rivalries that actually exists. But the media or whatever, like their fans aren't going to be butthurt if they lose. Whereas Green Bay's fans are going to be, they're going to be disappointed for sure. Yes. However, the nice thing about the Bears and their fans is like, it doesn't matter if they win relative to the draft because it's like they got the number one pick thanks to Carolina. Yeah. So it's like house money. Yeah. Who cares if we drop to 12 with our second pick or 13? Like, yeah, I'd rather have the ninth pick, but not as big a deal when you've got the one in your back pocket. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, this kind of baked into the analysis, but Chicago's peaking seventh and weighted DVOA, uh, Green Wait, Bay. Is Chicago peaking right now? Green Bay is regressing. They're 20th in weighted DVOA. Okay. I don't have time for your it's, fucking sarcasm. I make sure, because you said it like six times. I just want to make sure. Well, yeah, and you never let me finish my goddamn point. That's not, true. Not, not one That's of those six stopped. times. That's why you stopped inviting, because I just interrupt you. Yeah, I went to you find someone numbers else. and my eyes glaze over, so I like to jump on the stuff when you say it. All right, let's go to the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles um, at the New York Giants. What do you like in this game and why? I like the Eagles here, and it's kind of a reverse, which is, you know, I think a lot of people probably look at it as like the Eagles don't really need to win this game. Everyone expects Dallas to win, in which case the Eagles are going to fall. But, like, I think the Giants just there's too much. There's a little bit too much overrate around the Giants because they – they put together some plucky performances, but I view this as a big game for Philadelphia to kind of get some momentum towards the playoffs. Um, they've lost four of their last five. Like, I think I honestly, I'm not a big momentum guy and I don't believe it exists, but I think they think it exists. I think they really want to play a good football game and build some positive around the team heading into the playoffs. Plus I just think they're a lot better than the giants and public, perception on the Eagles is so low right now that actually they they've become a buy low in a weird way. I yeah. might actually bet them to win the Super Bowl if I'm being honest just because like they their value has plummeted. The Eagles never, were minus 14 against the Giants a couple weeks ago. I know and their fans got so mad at me when I uh didn't list the Eagles as elite and then they went off and lost four of the next five games and I was kind of like, yeah. But oh, I no. still listed them as great. Like I still think they're a really good team. I just knew that the regression was going to come because their 10 and one record was a mirage. Like it was clear that it was a mirage. Everyone knew it. Well, not ever. I'm sorry. Anyone who really studies this stuff knew that Philadelphia's record was misleading and that regression was coming. But look, this is a team that reached the Super Bowl last year. They can win in the playoffs. They know what it takes and they have a game that really travels. So I, I don't hate Let's Where are the Eagles right now? They're plus eleven hundred right now to win the Super Bowl. I, I kind of like that number. I've pretty much spent all my Super Bowl future budget. I'm riding out with the the Bills, the Browns, and the Rams. I love the Bills. You know that. Yeah. But they're they now have the third best odds. Yeah. You got them at a great number, right? Twenty five. Uh, 25 i gave him out of that that plus 3000 but i you know i couldn't get that because of my sports betting situation um you're not moving out of california though <laughs> no no weather's it's too addicting um 
All right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it, it does seem like a sell high or spot for the Giants or buy low spot for the Eagles. I do think Tyrod Taylor is like close to an average quarterback in today's NFL because the NFL quarterback situation is so terrible. And They're definitely better with him than DeVito. That's not even a question. I mean, he's played the, better the than Dan Jones. Oh, yeah, Dan DeVito. Dan. Tommy DeVito, excuse me. Um, dude, I knew that guy was terrible. Me and Guns went back and forth about that. Um, he was just like, Giants fans really thought he was going to be something. I was like, no, we, first no, we game, didn't. We never did. The first game that he played, they did not let him throw the ball. <laughs> no. They didn't let him throw it. No. Like, they ran the ball like 21 consecutive times. That told me everything I needed to know. This coaching staff does not think this guy can throw the football at all. He came in after Tyrod Taylor got injured against the New York Jets, and I think he was one for was nine with minus one yard. We had, we had, yeah. and the then they Giants. stopped throwing it entirely. Yeah. They're yeah. just like, okay, we can't do this. We, can, yeah. we can't do this. Yeah. This guy looks like Kendall Hinton. What a great reference that was, by the way. I want some credit for that. Yeah. The uh, practice squad quarterback uh, for the Broncos. The wide receiver who they made <laughs> had to play quarterback because of COVID. Yeah. And it was it was bad. Yeah, dude. I think they had like 58 total yards that, that game, if I can remember correctly. I think he only threw the ball four times. I believe he was one for four. <laughs> well, Tommy DeVito numbers. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I agree. Like, look, this might be a... This might be me sort of overreading the situation a little bit, but something tells me the Eagles want to win this game and want to try and build some positivity. Um, you know, especially with all the noise around their team, AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts. You know, are they getting along? Like just all this nonsense. Put it to bed. Go out. Beat the Giants. They should. I mean, they have a much better roster than the New York Giants. There's not any real question about that. It's a game that they still kind of, you know theoretically need to win i mean if washington pulls off some crazy upset then the eagles could get the the two or three seed well this is probably going to be baked in on the line i don't know if you can find it but what about like the eagles first half because there is a chance like like if, if dallas is just running away with it against the commanders i know you're not betting you're betting the opposite but at halftime yeah you know no it's a good point i did that last year i switched because i i was betting the bucks in week eight week 18 right um, and then ended up switching to the Bucks first half line. And then Which they I took Brady won. out. Yeah, it cashed easily, and they didn't cover the yeah. full game line because they took all their starters out at halftime. Uh, let's see. That's a good question. Eagles are minus three and a half first half, but that is juiced to plus one hundred five. So it is kind of baked into there, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this game? I want to move on to my last pick. Uh, we can move on to your last. Pick. I actually don't have notes on this one, but I'm going to take the, the I'm going to take the C or the Cardinals. Um, was it plus? I love this. Is it plus three? I think it's plus three against. This is another perfect. This is just the theme of the pod, right? Like everyone assumes the Seahawks need to win this game to have a shot to make the playoff. The Cardinals don't. Yeah, it's an expensive three right now, but I can still get a plus three. So I'm going to take the three with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm a Kyler Murray apologist. I know the wide receivers he has thrown to him suck, but James Conner, I bet I bet the Cardinals last week against the Eagles, and James Conner ran like Jim Brown. <laughs> he was absolutely amazing. He was the best player on the field. Um, you know, I've been fading the Seahawks a lot this year. I knew the whole Geno Smith's 2022 campaign was fool's gold, and they still need a franchise quarterback. 
Um, and yeah, it is fading the the narrative of well, Seahawks they need to win this game for the playoffs, and Cardinals have nothing to play for. But you know, they just beat the Eagles. They're this is their final home game of the season, obviously, so they probably want to go out on a good note. I think John Gannon, the first-year head coach of the Cardinals, done a really good job. They've overperformed expectations in terms of covering. I'm pretty sure they've exceeded their win total or can almost – I'd almost guarantee they'd exceed their win total if they win this game. Um, and that's really kind of all that I got here, you know. It's just – I just feel the, the Cardinals plus three is the right side here. I guess I can pull up the betting splits if that can give me another argument, but I don't think I need one. I think you agree with me, and uh, if you don't, I I, I wish you'll go bet the Seahawks and steam that number up for me because I'll take the the points. Um, According to pregame.com, 73% of the money is in the Cardinals, but 55% of the bets are on the Seahawks. So I don't put that much weight into this. I used to more than I do now. Um, but it is a pros versus Joe's game with the pros favoring the Cardinals. So I'll go with them. Next game, last game that we're going to talk about here before we, uh, before I connect with Scott Martin, the uh, Chiefs at the Chargers. Where are you at in this one? Yeah, I, uh, I like the Chiefs here, man. I, I, you want to talk about teams that have given up? I think the Chargers absolutely are just done, done. And, yeah. I think the Chiefs' backups can beat the Chargers, to, to be honest with you. I think the Chargers are that bad. Um, I don't think they have an interim head coach that they think is going to be around, or at least that, the, like, there doesn't seem to be any energy around that team. I'm shocked that the Chargers are favored in this game. I get it. The Chiefs don't care. They're resting Patrick Mahomes. But it's backup versus backup. Like, I don't know. I I don't have, again, I don't have a ton on it. I just think the Chiefs are going to play hard enough to beat what is just. Again, I, I think when it comes to these games, like we talk about motivation, um, and teams like the Jets and Chargers at this time of year, especially, like they had Super Bowl aspirations, and it didn't work out, and now like they're ready to go home because I mean, even Garrett Wilson talked about it. like, dude, we came into the season with Super Bowl and it just it it fell apart now, and we're frustrated. In the first series, you know, yeah, I mean, if you come in, if you're a team like teams, I think in the NFL, kind of. You know, they have an idea of where they sit. So when you're a team like the Bears, like, yeah, maybe some of them expected to compete for a play. But, like, they didn't think they were a Super Bowl team, right? So, like, they're playing out the season, but they're kind of where they expected to be at this time of the year. A little disappointed, but not, like, shattered to pieces that they didn't win the Super Bowl. Because they knew that they probably weren't going to. Um, But teams like the Chargers that came into this year, like, trying to win the Super Bowl and thinking they could. You know, Keenan Allen's not going to play in this game. I don't even know. I think... They're sitting somewhat like they're actually sitting some guy like some veterans who were like, yeah, what's the point? So I, I think they had given up. And uh, I mean, when you consider yeah. expectation, I think the Chargers might have had the worst season in, in the entire NFL. Right. I think that's probably true. Yeah, I, I would say, yes, that's true. I mean, the Giants, but a lot of people expect them to regress and they have it. They, they injured their quarterback early. The Vikings, but. Kirk Cousins got injured, right? Like, yeah, what's been a, a more question. disappointing team than the Chargers? Coach got fired. You know, yeah, all their players got be, injured. It would have to be the Chargers. The Giants would be on the list, but I think you're right. I mean, even the Broncos, they could finish with a winning record. Yeah, certainly not. They're not. They're not disappointing. In fact, they 
they won more games than I expected them to, for sure. I mean, Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. Thought they would be a little, a lot better. Carolina, but, but you can at least, yeah. the owner doesn't have his shit together, and the and the and no, the, I think you're right. I think the list working. is what we just. I think the list is what we just came up with. Chargers, Titans, Giants, and Panthers would probably be the biggest disappointments. But I think you're right relative to expectations. Yeah, you got to say the Chargers had the worst season in the NFL. Yeah, it's a bummer. Patriots maybe just because they're the Patriots and they won four games. Yeah, it's been a pretty... I mean, Jets are on that list too, but, you know, again, it's tough when you lose your Hall of Fame quarterback on the first series, so... Yeah, all the expectations get adjusted, right? And it wasn't like... It wasn't a heartbreaking season because it happened immediately. It's like, oh, right, all right, it's yeah. over. All right, it's we're over. done here. It's all right, over. cool. We're done here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That guy we tried to replace last year because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, he's back. Yeah. We got to start him again. And we, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to ball out next year, but that's a conversation for later. Actually, I do want to have this conversation with you because I wanted to bring it up in the editorial call. Aaron Rodgers pisses me off so much. I don't care about like what he said about Jimmy Kimmel. I'm just annoyed at at his whole steez, at his whole at his whole just like platform. It's like, dude, like look at Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins isn't even going to be he's not signed to a contract moving forward. He's probably going to sign with the Vikings, but he's out there with his shirt off doing the skull thing, getting the the crowd all amped up, being a team player. And this this guy's out here talking shit, having a feud with Jimmy Kimmel as his team get his getting their fucking brains beat in. It's 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 lame. It, it's cheesy. I'm so glad that everyone is realizing what a good dude Kirk Cousins is, though. Just in general, yeah. Like even the story, like five days after he tore his Achilles and his season ended, he still showed up to like a team event with like the community on a scooter and like signed autographs and took pictures. That would have been a perfect time for him to be like, "Look, man, I'm not gonna make it, right?" Like, they didn't extend me. I'm good here. Yeah, like I'm good, and he showed up. And you're right, like shirt off with his kid. He brought his kids, so the family's into it. You know what I mean? Like, look, I've been a a big defender of Cousins for a long time. I feel like this year was a. uh, I'm still taking the victory lap on Cousins because pre-injury he was playing great. I think you should. I think clearly. Clearly, they fell off the cliff when he got hurt. I mean, you know, they had some fun for a couple of weeks and people are like, oh, they're better without him. Like, well, look where they are now. Like, that's kind of what we expected. Right? I'm I'm one of the biggest um, anti-Cousins guys out there. And he, he was awesome this year before he got injured. And yeah, like and if, I'm, if I'm the, easy to root for, if I'm the Patriots, I'm like, listen, listen, Bill, you're 70. You're not doing two jobs. We're going to give you a GM. We're going to hire you some some assistants. We're going to make a push for Kirk Cousins. We're going to try to get another wide receiver. We'll draft Brock Bowers in the top five, and there's your team. You get Kirk Cousins, Christian Gonzalez, Matt Judon back. We're going to give you another run. Like I would do something like that, even though I, I'm sure he stays with the Vikings. But, like, yeah, Kirk Cousins was awesome this year. I do think the Vikings could have been a legitimate Super Bowl contender if he'd stayed healthy. So I'm with you there. Um, They were a fun team that got ruined because of that. I I would have liked to see them competing right now. Yeah. I mean, the last that I remember him is him him dicing up the San Francisco 49ers beating them, but he got injured the following week, right? Whatever. I'm so pissed because I had a fucking future on Kirk Cousins to win MVP. And, like, after we came, I was like, 
this is looking pretty good. You definitely gonna get some CLV on it if you stayed healthy. Yes. Especially this year with like, like you know, we talked about the whole Lamar is he the rightful MVP thing, but like, if Kirk Cousins wins double digit games, keeps his numbers up, like he could definitely make an argument. To me, this is like the biggest MVP toss up year. It's like. Lamar is almost getting it by default, and I'm okay with that. I don't think you are. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, I think he's kind of getting it by by default almost. It's like eh. I totally agree. That's that's my take on it too. Is that like, yes, he is the MVP this year, but only because it's a down year for MVP candidates. Well, all right, I got to talk to the homie um, Scott Martin. But uh, where can people keep up with your stuff, your college basketball picks? Go look, man. Follow my CBB picks while I'm hot, baby. Get it, get on there at real damn Zach on X outkick.com slash Dan Z. Find me. Let's go. Let's ride, baby. You want me to give my picks out? Yeah. Uh, I don't think people have enough time. I've got three horizon league bets tonight. If you want to know where I sit in the college basketball realm. Follow him at the real Dan Zach on Twitter. You don't want to hear my Horizon League bets? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Since we're here, go ahead. Where do you go? Like I get it when it comes to like gambling content or just content in general. Like you want to bet on the big games, but to me, all the value in college basketball is on these stupid ESPN Plus games. My friends, what my friends and I call it. Like, what ESPN Plus game are we betting on tonight? Is how almost every day starts with our group chat. Damn, I want to get in that group chat. It's great because what I've learned is like these home court, like there's these teams get such, they the bookmakers give them such a home court advantage, and you watch this game like there's 31 people in the stands. Like this yeah. is not, they might as well be at practice. How is it? There should be zero home. This court is a scrimmage. Fact, it might be negative home court advantage because you look around, you're like, this is our home crowd. There's my parents are here. <laughs> yeah. That's actually my good aunt analysis. came to the game tonight. Oh, I you know like what I mean? That. Like. I think I, I I have like all road teams. I took Youngstown State on the money line, Green Bay over Detroit Mercy, minus two and a half, Cleveland State plus Our five. Our editor and uh, AF probably loved that Youngstown State pick. A Youngstown State they pick. They screwed me over a few weeks ago too. How dare they? That was one of my worst pushes of my betting career when I had them plus. I'm uh, sorry, minus ten, and they were up sixteen with like thirty seconds left, and gave up two three like meaningless threes in the last like 28 seconds to push as the host of this i apologize for veering so far off course but i just gave out some winners you didn't even let me finish my winners i I got lipscomb minus one over eastern kentucky i got western illinois minus seven and a half over semo and i like the north texas money line over wichita state who i think is uh really only riding name value because wichita state isn't very good this year of course, everyone. Yeah, the with the name value of Wichita State for sure. That's what I'm saying. But you, when you look at games like this, people look and they go, "Wichita, oh yeah, the Shockers." Like they remember them being good. Like they had some tournament runs. I think they made an Elite Eight under Greg Marshall. Like, but when you see North Texas, you're like, "Who the hell is North Texas?" Like Wichita State's going to beat North Texas. That's a they're at least a better basketball school than North Texas. You've completely lost me. I who could forget the Greg Marshall run to the Elite Eight? You really, when I say Wichita State, you like you don't think of them as a basketball school that like had some good seasons. I'm pretty sure Dame Willard played there, so that's why I would kind of. I did the same him. thing. I I had the same exact handicap yesterday with VCU, where I had Bonaventure beating VCU, because I think people think about VCU as like the Shaka Smart team that like presses, and they had some good years under Shaka Smart and won some games in the tournament. 
That's so funny, though. I, I got to start running. You know what? Why don't you become my editor? And we can uh, have these discussions free my stuff getting. You should just actually, what we should do is I, you should just make comments. Instead of you betting college basketball, just insert little comments under mine. Like go into my pieces and just be like, you know, editor's note, Jeff Clark. There's no such thing as name value on Wichita State. <laughs> the market is not hammering Wichita State. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. This is fun. Right, let's get yeah. let's, let's get back together for the playoffs next week. I'll, I will definitely be writing up picks next week. No question about that. Awesome. All right, let's talk to Scott Martin. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> After an NFL Week 17 by Fox News financial analyst, Renaissance man, and the homie Scott Martin has returned to the Outkick Bets podcast to give us his stats and public betting model plays. Scott, I missed you last week. I had a solo pod, and I really needed to hear your input on on things. So I'm happy to have you back. Well, Jeff, I enjoyed the solo pod. It was one of those experiences and listening to it as a fan of yours, I will say. Um, it was a man talking to many of the voices in his head and, of course, all the <laughs> listeners. And it was a very uh, revealing pod, brother. And I enjoyed the bye week that I got, too, because it's around the holidays. It's been a long stretch of games this year. Um, model plays, the public fades, the, the reverse line movement, the reversion to the mean, everything that's been out there, the statistical analysis, the barking dogs, everything we've done this year, Jeff, is so sad to be coming to somewhat of a conclusion here at the end of the regular season as we start football action up here Saturday and Sunday and record the pod on Thursday. Dude, I am going to miss the NFL football season. Yeah, been a good season. Been a lot of fun. You know what, i tell you what, something really quick is the drama this season has been maybe a little bit lower, but the drama has been higher in the sense of there's been a lot more changes going on. It seems like a lot of these teams have had to really fight for each win and really fight through a lot of these games and roster moves and head coaches and things like that. Um, it's, it's been a fun year. I think the NFL should be happy with the product they put out there in Vegas. I think too, as we go into the playoffs here, we'll be even happier with what they've taken away from the public out of their wallets. Yeah. Um, the AFC playoff situation is a trip. The Buffalo bills could win the two seed or they could be out of the playoffs depending on the outcome of their game. And, you know, um, a few one of the of other favorite games. seasons. It reminds me of one of my favorite seasons of General Hospital, or maybe it was Young and the Restless. Either way, a soap opera, cornucopia of outcomes, and that's what's really great too, Jeff. I mean, great lead-in as you're such a good host as usual. Is besides the barking dogs that you do, or the dog that has the rabies. It's like we have a setup this week, Jeff, where we've got a lot of public money on a lot of sides, as far as like a lot of stuff is unbalanced, like pretty heavy, because the public thinks everything's going to play out all straight and all nice. And that's not what the NFL is about, ladies and gentlemen. And so that's why some of the picks are coming at you as they're coming. Well, I know a big input on your model is the public betting splits. And you love to fade the public. You always talk about mean reversion, capital flows. Use, frankly, financial terms that over my little noggin. So um, you come at NFL handicapping in a completely different way than I do. And that's what makes us a nice little yin and yang here on on these segments. Yeah, I think like little bacon and eggs kind of. Um, and you can be the bacon, but I, I think I'm more the eggs over easy where I'm trying to pick. Actually, it's not even eggs over easy, and, and I don't want to say what else it could be. I guess it's maybe poached, where we're poaching these teams, Jeff, that nobody wants. We're poaching these teams that Vegas really needs to win or the teams that at least in general, on balance, the public absolutely hates. And it shows up in the line movement. It shows up in the general spreads. 
it shows up in the in the fade uh, amounts and the and the and the, the sides I get the capital flows I get on where the public money is and where it's coming in at what spreads and it's just it's something that I have followed for years and years and years because as we said in the beginning of this season last time I checked Vegas seems to know what they're doing and I'm going to stay on the Vegas side versus the public side sorry guys yeah in the spirit of betting teams no one wants to back your week 18 picks might be your Mona Lisa this 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 card that you sent me earlier today is absolute trash. I, I only I can only bet against one of your picks. Uh, the other two, I'm just gonna stay away and and frankly root for you since you're the homie. But it's I mean, this is quintessential Scott Martin fading the public, and and I like it. I'm here for it. And Jeff, what we're gonna start with is again, like you just said, a, a team that nobody wants, uh, a team that Vegas needs to win, and a team that. Most of the season has burned me, frankly, and a team that we're going to just say it's finally time for them to come to the table and step up. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, that is your beloved. That is your you-can-count-on-me-anytime Carolina Panthers hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks. Spread currently at about 5.5 to Tampa, so Carolina's getting 5.5. I've seen a couple fives as well out there, but let's call it roughly 5.5, maybe call it 5 just to split the difference. And, Jeff, this is a situation for the Bucks to come in Take this game, walk right into the playoffs, make it super easy on everybody, everybody in the betting public to take this game home and say, hey, we knew the Bucs were better than the 8-8 eight eight record that they're coming in with. But the reality is this. The Carolina Panthers have nothing to play for. They have nothing to do but show up and basically kick the ball around the field and go home at the end of the game. But as we've seen from the betting model numbers, as we've seen from the overconfidence that's happening on the public side, and as, frankly, we've seen lately – from the play from each team, whether it's the Panthers, say, last six games or the Buccaneers' last six games, they just look terrible. They look like the absolute worst bet here. And it seems strange that they would only be getting five and a half or let's say five at home. But this is a step-up time for the Panthers to come in, keep this game close. The Bucks could be a little nervous. And I think this is a field goal game. The Panthers step up with their backs, nothing really against the wall. The Buccaneers have all the pressure on them. Baker Mayfield coming off of a little bit of a gimpy uh, situation. And the Panthers are one here that step up and actually maybe even win this game, but definitely beat the spread at five. I'm going to grade you at four and a half, buddy. Uh, it might have been five earlier this morning, but the Sharps got a hold of your model and are betting the Panthers, and they got it down to I four like and a half. I like that even better because, Jeff, if you look at that on balance, that's even a weirder spread move. If you're the public looking at this and going up to that window in Vegas and saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, betting window person, LOL, what's the spread on the Panthers-Bucks game? Oh, it's four, four and a half. They're going to be like, oh, my God, i got to take it. Or they'll buy down the half a point to the four, which is a big number that we see in the public bet around a lot, especially on the Carolina Panthers this year. They're going to take that thing all day long and all day on Sunday, and that's where I am at. I'm on the Panthers plus the points. To your point, at pregame.com, they're reporting 85% of the money in the consensus betting market is on the Buccaneers, all based on probably the exact same logic you already alluded to, which is the Buccaneers need this game. They win. They're in. They win the NFC South. The Panthers are 1-2-3 Cancun. They're completely checked out on the season, or at least that's what the public is thinking. Um, this is a quintessential – I think I used quintessential twice this uh, segment already, but this is – You used it correctly twice. It was, it was correct both times. This is your quintessential – third time – your quintessential sharp pick. You're taking a home underdog in division with nothing to play for, playing the spoiler role. So if I were to pick one way or the other, I would definitely follow you. My thing is the Panthers, I hate them. 
I hate them. They've cost me a bunch of money. Pretty much my worst take of the whole NFL season, Scott, was picking the Panthers preseason to win the division. They have been complete dog shit. Obviously, they're going to be the first pick or they're trading the first pick in the NFL draft to the Chicago Bears. Um, But based on how pathetic they looked last week and I was on them last week, I could see them bouncing back and just coming with inside the number here. So you have slight agreement, but I have I want I want nothing to do with the Panthers. I mean, I, I you know these picks are not ones that we ever feel good about. These are not picks that just like the dog that you take to the veterinary clinic, you feel good about taking him or her there. But these are positions in the NFL, and these are scenarios in the NFL, Jeff, where weird things happen. And I think it happens in Carolina and Charlotte on Sunday. Fair enough. Where else are you getting weird in the NFL Week 18 card? Yeah, let's get weird with a game, Jeff, that I know you're going to be upset about. Um, it's a game that, and you're not a you're not a public poly, but there are some of us out there that would look at this game and say, there's no possible way that anybody would pick against the legendary Bill Belichick. The New York football Jets against the Patriots going into New England, going into Foxborough, basically getting two, roughly is what I'm seeing across the board on the spread here. The Jets coming in, getting two, which seems like a whack spread. Going to knock Bill Belichick, the Patriots' ring of honor, whatever they have up there, actually be a, a team that could come in and upset the New England Patriots. But not only that, also maybe lay a thumping on them. Because AFC East matchup, the Jets are written off completely. The Patriots are too. But just a terrible situation and season for both teams. Both teams reeling. Both teams want to get to the offseason. Teams want to cut bait and run away. But the Jets, just based on public perception, based on public fade, based on where the public is coming in on the on the Patriots heavily here, expecting them to defend the honor and the ring of Bill Belichick and the many rings. I guess there's six or five of them. There's definitely going to be a spark in the Jets' baby final game. As, as they were, because they'll be a different team next year. And I think they take the Patriots down in this game. And it shows from the Patriots backing or backing from the public on the Patriots side. They do too. And so I want to be on the Jets. You, sir, are tripping. We are oppo on this one. The Patriots in this game are one of my favorite bets of the season. I want to try to talk you out of this one, and I want a fourth pick out of you. Um, I, I The Jets, they've quit on the season. And I think the extended prep off of that Thursday night football game on week 17 isn't going to help them. I don't think they're going to be practicing or they care about this game. They have a bunch – like the strength of their team is their d- defense. A bunch of guys who are locked into contracts next year, they're not going to be worried about their job. So I think they're just going to lay an egg in this game. It's going to be extreme winter conditions most likely. You got Trevor Simeon versus Bill Belichick. I, I'm – I am very, very wait, wait, afraid is, of this is, pick. Is, you said you said Trevor Simeon versus Bill Belichick. Is Belichick starting a quarterback? That may change it a little bit for me. But here's the thing: <laughs> you, you think the Zappy or whatever his face is, right? Here's the here's the point, though. The, the real deal, Jeff, is this: these guys are professionals. These guys aren't going to show up and embarrass themselves. And number two, the weather is a good point. That's one A. The weather is going to be out of out of out of off the hook, so it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a beautiful game. It's going to look like a snow globe. Thirdly, though, dude. This is NF- This is AFC East matchup. These guys run into each other twice a year. They hate each other. It's down I-95. They would go down there and beat them up in New York if they could and vice versa in Boston. Dude, these guys are going to show up. They're going to come to play, and they have a chance to put a hickey on Bill Belichick's legacy here. Why wouldn't they do that? 
because I don't think they have anything to play for. Like I don't think I don't think it matters to them to beat the the, the Patriots here very much. Well, if Bill Belichick goes off on a higher note because he takes the Jets down and the public cashes in on that, that's fine. They can take it. But the numbers that I'm looking at on the Jets so far make the Jets one of my favorite bets of the weekend, brother. Hey, fair enough. We'll see what happens in that one. I just can't believe the public is really back in a Patriots team that have been getting made fun of by everyone on TV. Bill Simmons is rooting against his own Patriots. He wants a better draft pick. No one likes this team. I don't think the public is really going to be backing them heavy when it, the the it kicks off. I'm not sure what the public splits are now, but hey, we'll see, man. I mean, it's 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 roughly about on my numbers right now as we do this pod on Thursday afternoon. It's about 64 percent on the public on on the New England Patriots. But Jeff, a lot of people are looking at it your same way. So of course, the general public is probably going to likely do the group think and think about that. How you how your analysis was set up there, which I don't disagree with completely. But I just know that these are the situations and setups where the public will get burned because they take the easy choice. And in a game like this, there's nothing easy about it. Fair enough. Hey, we'll see. And best of luck to you, even though this is going to be one of my five circuit picks and I need to win it. But best of luck to you, buddy. What's your uh, third pick here in the NFL Week 18 slate? We're going to go in the second half of games on Sunday, and we're going to look at our beloved, or let's say formerly beloved, I don't know what this team is nowadays, but a team that actually, I guess, has a shot at getting in the playoffs still amazingly. Denver Broncos. Uh, we're taking the Denver Broncos at Las Vegas. Denver getting two and a half, uh, roughly, it looks like, across the board. There's a couple, I saw a couple twos earlier, but it looks like two and a half seems to be the general lay of the land. Um, Jeff, a Denver Broncos team that's in disarray. Um, a Denver Broncos team that has had a very fluky on and off, let's say, season. A season where you could have watched the Broncos any given week and thought you were seeing a different team every week. I know they had a nice winning streak earlier in the year, and that kind of faded. And then they Russell Wilson fallout and some of the other injuries and just some of the confusion that seems to be abound on the offensive side of the ball with Sean Payton not showing up to be Sean Payton this year. I don't know what was going on with him and Russ. But either way, that's buried. That's not in the cards. What is in the cards is the fact that we have a spread that looks too easy for the public to stay off of. So you effectively have the public coming in on the Broncos, I'm sorry, on the Raiders, being at home. Um, the Raiders still having, I guess, an outside shot at the playoffs, but not likely. So something to kind of play for. But a Raiders team that's been playing better. Um, with the coaching change, obviously they've been a little bit more motivated to do, I guess, more football plays than they have been in the past. Um, the team has seemed a little bit more together than the Broncos have, but the public figures that. And the public has already seen that, and the public has already – place their stake on the Raiders thinking that because they're home, because they too have something to play for, because there's maybe a little bit more stability in the Raiders camp. That's who the public is on. I'm taking the Broncos all day long on this for the second slate of games um, out of the second slate of games on Sunday as the public is too heavy on the Raiders in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to give you plus three. Uh, there's expensive plus two and a half here or there, but DraftKings is dealing a three uh, points bets dealing a three. And I'm going to give you two uh, with the Jets as well. So your three official picks are the Panthers are grading at four and a half, um, the Broncos plus three, and the Jets plus two. Now, you're, we only usually give three picks except for one podcast that we've done, but your model is cooking, and you fire a lot of uh, bets out there in a week um, week by week basis in the NFL. Do you have another lean you want to talk about while we got a little bit of time or no? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you another lean. Um, this one sounds crazy, too, because it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Um, and I think it's more of a this is definitely a public fade, but it's also more of this like 
This is a team that the public has just loved, and they've cashed on this team this year. So that's why the public's on them still. Old habits die hard, Jeff. Houston versus Indianapolis. Um, Saturday night, the game's on at 8.15 Eastern. It's at Indianapolis, and the public is all over Houston, man. And they're all over Houston for a couple reasons. C.J. Stroud's back. Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew. Um, I can't imagine what AR would have done as a quarterback on the Colts this year. Colts have some injuries. Colts are just kind of limping in here. The Houston Texans look like they've got, you know, some momo, momo they want to build into the playoffs. But the public is already seeing the spread, too, which is coming in a little bit weird, to be honest with you. The spread, give or take, again, maybe a half a point. I'm showing about one and a half to Indianapolis. The public loves that. More or less, let's call it a pick em. And they think that Indianapolis is going to get rolled here at home. I think that's going to be a tough place for Houston to play. C.J. Stroud may be showing a little bit of rust coming off the injury of late. And also Indianapolis having a little bit more to play for than Houston does as far as what they have to lose or win. And again, the public is all over Houston because of this, because they've been riding Houston all year. And I think this is the Colts game. Fair enough. I'm one of the public betters that are back in Houston. I know it's Good. square, though. I know it. I I hate that I'm, I'm on it, but I like Houston the whole year. Um, they have cost me some money, actually. I've lost three games in the Circa Million by a half point with just Houston oh. alone. And I'm three games out of the money. So I have uh, some beef with the Texans, but I just like them more than the Colts, frankly. And I'm willing to go with the public side. But your side is listen, definitely sharper. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely sharper. And, I, and listen, I hate the Colts. I hate their uniforms. I hate that stadium. Um, it doesn't even feel like a football stadium. It's been terrible since Manning left, and Garner Minshew is not my favorite underwear model. But to your very well point, the Texans are too heavily favored as a public team after having some good wins this year. They've been impressive. C.J. Stroud's been good. They've had some good coaching moves, obviously. But there's just not enough for them to be that big of a public favorite in a game that's huge for both teams and a game that I think Indianapolis is bound to step up and play because they've done that before at home with other teams that have come into town, and I think this is no different. All right. Well, hey, unfortunately, we're oppo in two of them. I want no part of the Panthers game or the Broncos game, so I wish you the best of luck in those games. And I wish you best of luck in NFL Week 18. I know you're going to come back for the playoffs, give us some of your stats and public betting model picks, uh, but where can people keep up with your stuff, whether it be betting or other? Wise. Yeah, keep up with me on Twitter, or I guess they call it X, at Scotty Markets, where we talk gambling, we talk food, and a little bit of music when we get around to it. Love it. All right. Well, be sure to leave us a positive review at out, or leave the Outkick Bets podcast a positive review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Every positive review will help us grow the sports gambling podcast charts and i'm trying to jump over the square podcast that doesn't give out as good or as strong of betting analysis as i do um again follow scott martin at scotty markets you can follow me at jeffrey underscore clark most importantly follow the podcast at outkick bets until next week peace